This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Covered in Pet Hair, a boozy show for pet lovers on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez-Arada, and today I have the pleasure of having a drink and a chat with a lady that's keeping it real in the dog training industry. I will tell you all about her and introduce you as soon as we come back from these messages from our sponsors. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Covered in pet hair, I'm your host, Isabel Alvarez Arada, and today I am having a drink and a chat with a pet parent, a former dog trainer and behavior consultant. She is a former professional dog walker. She is a current dog business coach. She's a coffee lover, a D&D nerd, which I just learned is Dungeons and Dragons. She is originally from South Africa, currently lives in Canada. She is dogma to Fergus and in spiritual form to her Piper, who is her heart and soul dog. She's not into pet related movies because they inevitably break her heart, but she is into helping dog trainers build sustainable and scalable businesses. You will find her on TikTok as the dog biz coach. Her name is Erin Moore. Welcome, Erin. It's so good to have you on the show. I'm happy to be here. This is I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Me too. I'm so excited to get into all the real talk you're going to give us today. And the swearing. And the swearing. Oh, the swearing is perfectly (laughs) fine. We are obviously a drinking boozy show. So adults only, please. Uh, My kids don't hear the show. They don't listen to the show, but they do catch me on um, YouTube. Sometimes they're like, there's mama. And I'm like, and skip. (laughs) Go find something else. All right. So Before I get into all that you offer your clients and the dog training or dog business industry, really, in general, I want to introduce our drinking game today for our audience. So audience, anytime you hear this word, the secret word is Piper. Make sure you take a drink of whatever you're enjoying, but please be sure you're over 21 to partake. Never drink and drive and always drink responsibly. So what are you having today? Are we having coffee? This is a funny one for me because I don't drink alcohol. I can't drink caffeine after 12 because it keeps me awake. I only Same. ever really keep water in the house. So I was like, what the fuck am I going to drink? And then I was like, <laughs> I have a popsicle that I'm allowed yes! to melt. So I'm going to either like take a bite of a melting popsicle or drink out of the cup. <laughs> that is perfect. Because it's so hot in El Paso, we eat about three popsicles a day. And like my son yesterday opens the freezer and is like, we're down to one mom. Went, oh, no. 
He's four. He's like, you need to go buy more. And I did <laughs> yeah. not. So now I have to Instacart something after we get off this call. But I'm actually keeping it pretty simple myself. I do have a little alcohol in here. I made a very light. It's a vodka cranberry, which I love cranberry, but I never have cranberry juice in the house. So today I took mm. advantage that I did. Cheers. Here's to you joining me today and uh, until your popsicle. That's a first. I love it. <laughs> it's perfect. Good. And it helps with the heat wave here. Oh my gosh, seriously, look at me. I'm like the Klimt. Mm-hmm. All right. So I am going to play a game with you, which is what I do with every one of my guests. I start the show with a game just to get to know a little bit of your perspective, your personality, your priorities. So um, the first game we're going to play is called Dog Training Matters. And it's basically your professional opinion. That's all I'm going to ask for. I'm giving you some statements that I want you to say you agree or disagree with. These do not necessarily reflect my opinion. They're just statements I came up with based on some videos that I caught on your YouTube channel and on TikTok. All right, so the first one is all dog owners need a dog trainer. Yeah, I think so. It doesn't mean that all dog trainers need to work with all dog owners though, but yes, all dog owners need a dog trainer. That's true, that's true. I like your message when it comes to niching down. Yes, yes, yes. All right, and if you're a dog trainer and you don't know what niching down is, you need Aaron, like now. (laughs) All right, dog trainers tend to be good business owners. No, no. Generalizing, no. That's one of the biggest issues in the industry. And that's what we're doing here. We're generalizing so dog trainers don't get offended if you're like, you know, an MBA. We gotcha. You're the exception. All right, dog owners care about and are able to recognize dog training certifications. Not even a little bit. They have no no clue. And they don't care either. Like, you know, there's a small group who will look for certifications or education, but the majority of people just give a that you can help them with their dog. That's it. Solution. That's all they're looking for at that point. A lot of people wait until it's too late to get their dog trainers. So they're desperate at that point, right? Yep. They end up with, and it's it's not just with dog training. It's human behavior, right? We wait until it's too uncomfortable to keep doing what we're doing before we reach out for change. And so, yeah, it ends up becoming like an emergency and people are like, I need someone who can help me. And they don't give a what letters you have behind your name. They care that you can help them. That's true. That's true. All right. The dog training community in general is very welcoming. (laughs) Uh, No, (laughs) in general, no. There's reasons for it, right? And they're like valid reasons for it. But in general, no. Yeah. Yeah. You got to work your way in, right? Yeah. I mean, there's and there's safe little pockets in there. I'll say that there's safe little pockets and it's finding those little pockets. I'm not a dog trainer, but I've been in the pet industry for 15 years and I've worked with many dog trainers. I find it a little clickish. Mm-hmm. And I have a whole like I did a whole video on why I think that is. Um, okay. And it's all like trauma related, in my opinion. I have not seen that video. I need to look that up. I will put that in the video description so everybody can watch that. That sounds fascinating. All right. TikTok dog trainers are helping dogs in general. Would you say that's true or false? Some of them are, some of them are not. I think TikTok, just by the nature of the app, because it encourages discord and it encourages people arguing with each other, does a lot more anti-marketing for dog trainers because they get sucked into the conversations that are important to them, but that have absolutely zero fairing for their clients. And what dog trainers know is important for dogs is very often so far from what your average Joe dog owner understands is important to dogs. And if you're not talking to where meeting your potential clients where they're at, you're not helping them at all. Right. Okay. 
So you're basically just wasting your time with a bunch of trolls on social media. It depends on what their goal is. Like if their goal for their page is to like educate themselves and argue with dog trainers, then cool. If their goal is to use it for marketing, it's not working. Okay. All right. That's, that's fair. Pet parents should rely on word of mouth recommendations when finding a dog trainer. That's an, it depends really. Again, it depends on the word of mouth. It depends on what they need help with. It depends on the people who are available in their area. It depends on like word of mouth can be helpful for sure. And we tend to trust borrowed authority is what we call it, where someone says, yeah, you should use this person. We automatically trust them more. So it can be helpful. But I think there's a lot of different things that the dog owners can and should be looking for more so than just, oh, yeah, my cousin Bob used them and they were great. OK. All right. Yeah. And like you said about the niching down, like it depends on what you need from your dog trainer, yep. because if you're brand down the street called a dog trainer that specializes in separation anxiety, but you have a reactive dog, they may be the great, same. but they may not be the right dog trainer for you. And your friend may have really connected pers personality wise with the trainer and you may not. And that's really fucking important too. That's true. That's very, very true. Every dog trainer should be willing to work with every family, no matter what concern they have. No. And we actually do more harm as dog trainers to that dog and that family and the industry in general by not having our really firm boundaries around who we do and don't work with. I really loved to hear that you primarily work with female clients. Yep. And I love that that's a boundary you've set for yourself because yep. of your comfort level with women versus men. I love that. And I think that that seeing somebody like you, whom I respect and whom I follow, Putting that boundary down and make it, normalizing something like that, I thought was awesome. So I have to take my hat off to you for that. Thank you. Okay, last one. The dog training industry in the United States and Canada is properly regulated, in your opinion. It, nowhere in the world is it properly regulated that I'm aware of. Ooh, this is, oh man, this is a whole conversation on its own. I know. Because, we don't like, have to go into the nitty gritty, but give me yeah. like a little bit of where you stand on regulation here. I think regulation is important. I don't think it's possible given the views that the industry has in general on so many different things. And I don't think it will ever be possible as long as one of the goals of regulation is to stop allowing someone that you don't agree with to be able to work. Uh -huh. Because in order for the industry as a whole to be regulated, the industry as a whole has to come together to plan those regulations. And right. th then I'm going to say to if you're listening on this, think for a minute about like the absolute opposite end of what you believe in, right? So as a trainer who's operating in every opposite way that you can imagine them operating, what happens if their side of the industry gets to pick the regulations? Right. So until we can all come together and have conversations rather than arguments about it, I don't think regulation is anywhere in our Possible. future. Right. And for those who aren't familiar, there's like, you know, there's the aversive trainers and the balanced trainers, and then there's the positive based trainers and all those that, you know, use different methodologies. And I remember being on the board of directors of the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters, right? We're not dog training. We don't cover dog training. I mean, some of our members did offer dog training, but primarily it was a pet sitting organization. I remember we tried to come up with one sentence about how to properly handle what proper handling of a pet meant and we spent days yeah. at the board of directors meetings on that one sentence so i completely agree with you where everybody kind of has their opinion and where their um their goals lie and you're going to be in a total standstill until everybody yep. agrees or at least is willing to 
give. To have a conversation about it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You got to give a little in order to meet people halfway, I think. Yep. So you were a dog trainer for 15 years. You also had a dog walking business. Business. Yep. How did you decide to go into dog training or dog industry, pet industry in general? Uh, in South Africa, my uh, ex-husband's family had, uh, like, the culture then at the time around dogs was very different uh, to here. I don't know what it's like there. I haven't lived there in a long time. But it was basically dogs lived outside. They, like, protected the property. They didn't come in the house. And, and so they had a border collie who didn't do well living in the yard, funnily enough. And I kind of was looking around for things to do with her and was Googling. And I found, uh, like, a dog training school I could go and do classes and stuff with her so I took her and like saw the difference in her like almost immediately and I just got bitten by the bug and I was like wow and so that school they actually did dog training certification as well so I did their two-year mentorship program to become a dog trainer and then at the time in South Africa too there was very little opportunity to be a dog trainer there was very little access to education the internet wasn't was what it is right now it was and my sister had just moved to Canada and she was like oh move here I wouldn't need to have family here so I was like okay so nice. I moved to kind of like extend, like be able to get into the industry and be closer to family. And then I started a dog walking business and did that for a couple of years and then moved into training just as my my confidence and belief in my myself grew to, yeah, I, I've got the knowledge. I can do this. That's awesome. Okay. So when did you decide that you needed to help dog trainers instead of pet parents, dog parents? When I hired my first coach. Because I ended up with a, a dog business that on the outside, a dog training business on the outside looked successful. Mm -hmm. I had the giant facility. I had like a month long wait list. I had full classes and one to ones. I had five star review on Google. Like I had everything that I thought a successful dog training business looked like. And I was working all the time. I was burnt out. Like I tell my clients a lot. I was so burnt out that anytime I got an email from a potential new client that was describing the problem, my emotional response was, oh my God, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have a dog. Like that's how burnt out I was. <laughs> and then when I started learning how to actually run the business side of the business and I got my life back and I started recovering from that burnout. And I had a friend who was a trainer who at the same time that I was learning this, she left the industry completely to go. She just burnt out and she couldn't, right. couldn't keep going. And the like the combo of those two things, I was like, this is simpler than I thought it would be. Like it's not like it's work, of course, like learning, you know, it's learning new skills and stuff. But it's it was so much simpler than I thought it was. And I was like more, especially women need to have access to this, right? They really do. And so my first coach called me like the reluctant coach because she kept pushing me to coach. And yes. I was like, ah, and then eventually I was like, okay, fine. Because I also, by helping trainers, I have a knock-on effect of helping more people and their right. dogs than I ever right. would have had just continuing my business. So it, it, it allowed me to do both. I love that. I love that. I get it. Like coaching is not for the faint of heart. Like you take on projects, right? Like in a lot of ways, you take on all these people's self-doubt and these, you know, and you have to kind of help people get out of their own way, which you seem like a very, you know, to the point kind of like motivator. I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Mm -hmm. But for me, that's like, that would be so hard for me to be like, listen, you're in your own way. Get yeah. out of your way. Right. That's so hard for me. And I, I totally respect that you were like, I don't want to do it. But then you jumped on board and you've done a really good job and you're reaching so many people right now. 
Um, but before I, I talk about, you know, what you do for dog trainers, I want to ask you, you mentioned in one of your videos that you are a crossover trainer, that yep. you started in that South African facility with uh, aversives, choke collars, prong collars, e-collars. But they were balanced. So all they of were those balanced. plus treats. Mm -hmm. Plus treats. Yep. Okay. Yep. So what inspired you to kind of go over to the more positive reinforcement Piper. When I got her, I got her as I was finishing up that two-year program and I got my little choke chain and I looked at this like tiny little puppy who fit in the palm of my hand and I looked at the choke chain. I'm like, I can't do this. What the hell? And then I was like, okay, I need to look at why I had that emotional response there because if I'm not willing to do this with my own dog, how on earth can I, you know, work with clients and teach them to do this? And so I, I did some deep diving into my own feelings around that and um, that led to my journey of crossing over. So when I say that she like influenced everything in my life, like she really did. I'm getting chills and goosebumps because it's always a dog. It's always an animal that kind of opens our eyes and leads us where we're going and, and yep. helps us on our journey and makes us a better human. Yeah. So on that note, I will let us catch our breath. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to have Aaron help me dissect dog training as a profession. Is it a career that some of us really want to get into or is it something we should really think about before we just think about it playing with puppies all day? Don't go anywhere. Let's listen to our sponsors and we'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Covered in Pet Hair. I'm your host, Isabel alvarez Arada, and today I'm speaking to Erin Moore, who is a dog business coach who's helping dog trainers and other dog businesses get out of their own way and build businesses that are sustainable and scalable and enjoyable, most importantly, right? Yep. Yep. Because most of us go into this business because we love the animals, but then we end up, like you said earlier, just kind of resenting any question from a client or any issue that comes up. And it's just so thankless unless we do it right, which is where you come in. But before we talk about those kinds of things, I want to play a second game with you. And this one, I really want you to look at me or look at one of our audience members who might be considering dog training as a career, who has thought of it as a fun way to get out of the corporate world to a good way to spend time with animals who they're passionate about. And three thinks of it as potentially lucrative because they know that the dog trainer down the street charges $100 or $150 an hour. So I'm going to play the good, the bad and the ugly dog training edition. I'm going to give you one minute to give me the good one minute for the bad and one minute for the ugly. Are you ready to play? Sure. All right. Let's start with the good. Go. 
Okay, the caveat to this is setting up your business properly, not just going in, right? So when you set up your, your dog training business properly, you get to help dogs, help people, keep dogs in their home, help develop relationships between dogs and people, spend time with your own dogs, have a really flexible schedule for your own family. You get to make a difference in the world, like really make a difference. Dog trainers change lives when you're doing it properly. You can make really good money being a dog trainer doing it properly. You get to impact, in a lot of cases, dogs being able to stay alive or stay in homes, right? You get to empower your human clients. You get to change the view of animals and dogs throughout the world and throughout the industry by educating people. You can help people all over the world now too. You don't have to just be working with people in your local area. So you can work with people all over the world. That's me, amazing. That's a, that's a minute, but yes, that's okay, beautiful. Cool. I love it. No, tell me what else were you going to say? I was going to say the biggest piece for me was the time I got to spend with my own dogs when I set it up properly. Properly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to clear this and we're going to do the bad. Three, two, one, go. The emotional toll that it can take seeing dogs and people that you, there's just nothing you can do to help. The emotional toll that it takes with how broken our, in, our, our systems are, like the entire world, but in the industry in particular, the shelter system, the rescue system, you know, backyard breeding, etc. And how damaging that is when dogs are paying with their lives or people are paying by having to make those awful, horrible decisions about their dogs. And there's nothing you can do to fix it, right? The inability to, be, to fix things, that is really one of the hardest, the absolute hardest about it. And unless you have really solid boundaries, it's not going to be a career that you survive in, right? Unless you learn how to have really solid internal boundaries around it and able to detach from it. Which is so hard. But yes, that's that's perfect. You have plenty of time left over, but that is perfectly okay, not succinct. being Not being able to help everybody. That's also a big one. Not being able Ooh. to help everybody and having to make the decision to turn clients away because you know you're not going to be able to help them instead of the, oh, but if I just try piece, right? Learning how to actually yes. say no and turn clients away is hard. Yeah. You can't save them all, right? No, you can't. It's absolutely impossible to. And the more you try, the less you actually help. Ugh, so true. Okay, last one. The ugly. Three, two, one. Give it to us. Fighting with other dog trainers. <laughs> <laughs> For real. And that's where the trauma piece comes in. So the careers with animals tend to attract people with trauma because it's safer to work with animals than it is to work with people. However, that means you've got a whole bunch of people with unprocessed and undealt with trauma who are all in the same industry, who they're not regulated and who are projecting their own stuff about trauma onto other trainers. And coming from a place of wanting to help and wanting to protect and just not having the tools and the skills to actually have those conversations. And instead, everybody's vomiting their unprocessed trauma all over each other. God, you said a mouthful there and you have 20 seconds left. <laughs> I would say that's the biggest of the ugly of it for me. That is really interesting. And you should say bravo. Congratulations. <laughs> You've aced that game. That's so good. <laughs> I love every answer you gave. But I will say, uh, having worked in the pet sitting industry for so long, you're so right. So many people go into working with animals because they're tired of being disappointed by humans and they take that disappointment and they forget they have to work with humans with humans because they yeah. work with their if you have employees you're working with humans if you have obviously you hope to have clients you're working with humans if you're working you have a cpa you're working with humans you're working with humans guys all the time this is not just you go and work with animals unless you are maybe an employee of a even then like your company your clients are humans right 
even right. then. I mean, trainers who work, say, at like a, say, at a shelter facility and their whole job is working with the dogs, that's right. different. But then there's a whole other layer of emotional shit that comes with that too that they have to be able to do. And with rescue too. people too can be very difficult to work with for the same reasons, right? Sure. People who I also volunteer think it's rescues. Yes. I've had so many, I've heard so many stories of drama within rescues just because people are, we're all so flawed, but we're also passionate about these animals that those flaws and the passion don't always mix so you kind of touched on it but i have a question for somebody who's considering dog training specifically as a career are there any personality traits that you would say if you have this personality trait this may not be the best career choice for you the answer is it depends on whether they're willing to do any work on it or not got it i mean we all have our that's like okay this is an ideal but we also are all grown-ass adults who can decide to like go to therapy if we can access it um you know and to or to get the help to work on that so no i wouldn't say there's anything that's like you shouldn't be a dog trainer if you have this unless it's you're at the point in your healing where you can't connect with other people then you need to go do some more healing before you can be a dog trainer because if you really want to get results for the dogs you need to be able to connect with the human because the human who is paying you they're not paying you because of the dog's behavior they're paying you because of how their dog's behavior makes them feel and if you can't connect to how they feel and have those conversations and figure out what the real actual problem is you're not going to be able to get results you're amazing all right next one (laughs) is it easy to get into dog training oh yeah super easy super easy you can buy business cards and put up flyers and start operating the very next day. Like it's easy to get into, not so easy to set up properly because most trainers get into it by doing that. Cool. I'll develop a relationship with the vet or I'll start, you know, handing out flyers or cards or instead of how do I set up a business (laughs) and what does the business need to look like in order to be sustainable and support me? And, and we normally don't end up turning to look at the business piece of things until we're so far into it that we're like, now I have to like change everything. And then that feels really overwhelming to do. So it's easy to get into it, less easy to set it up right from the beginning, but easier to set it up right from the beginning than to go so far into it that you then feel trapped that you can't make any changes around it. So many in the pet sitting industry, so many people start Mm. with like Google calendars and they like save the money on like pet sitting software. And you're like, why? Why? Do it right from day one. Assume you're going to grow. You're going to make it. So invest in your business doing it properly. Absolutely. So you said that somebody could just get a business card printed and start working with dogs. What would you say is the minimum somebody would need to know or experience they need to have in order to do that? Again, it depends on what they want their specialty to be, because then one of the other mistakes dog trainers make is cool. I'll just work with across the spectrum of behaviors. Right. And when we do that, we all have limited time and limited resources to be able to educate ourselves on that. So the more you specialize down, the more relevant you make yourself and the better results you can get, because you only have to educate and keep up to date and focus on one thing, which means you can become the expert at that one thing, rather than knowing a little bit about all of these things and investing all of your time and money in continuing education, rather than business stuff that needs working on. So I think at the minimum, people need to understand the basics of the specialty that they're going to be working on. They need to understand the reality of dogs and how behavior works works. They need to understand that, like the scientific reality of how behavior right. works and how dogs think and how they learn and how they feel and how to get effective change. Because it also depends, are you going to do kind of just training 
stuff like middle of the road people who just have a dog and they need your help with you know some basic stuff or you're going to be doing some in-depth behavior modification stuff those are going to require very different levels of, of knowledge and education so should the business card say like isabella rada dog trainer specializing in separation anxiety or isabella rada dog trainer specializing in reactivity yep even for the first business cards you get made that would be something you would recommend yeah, because when you start off in your specialty, your marketing is so much easier because you know who you're talking to, right? Rather than just throwing a whole bunch of shit out there. Um, you also are, you start building your business with the clients that you want to be working with long term, right? Now, everybody's in a different situation. If your situation is like, I really don't have the financial resources to wait to get clients, like I don't have a buffer there, then that's a little different. And maybe then you're taking on some clients that are paying the bills, but aren't within your specialty while you're working right. towards it. Right. But if you've got the resources to do it and you're wanting to do it properly from the start, then yeah, go right into your specialty and only a focus on that specialty. And for pet parents, you would recommend that they too find somebody, kind of name the issue they're having and find somebody that specializes, specializes in that. In that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, if you think about it, I mean, if you needed, uh, I don't know, heart surgery, do you want your GP doing your heart no. surgery? Right. Or do you want somebody who specializes it? And there's no shade on GPs. When you need a GP, you go to a GP. Right. But when you have a very specific thing that you need working on, you want someone who knows everything that they can know about that specific thing. Even if they're not local, right? Like even yeah. if you have to choose somebody who's California-based or Australia-based, but you they resonate with you and they're specializing in, in Absolutely. what you Absolutely. Such great advice. Okay. So tell us what you do exactly, what you have programs for dog training businesses or pet businesses? Uh, what do you offer? So I have a 12 month program because we work on a number of core things that you need in your business. So we take a look at for existing businesses, how do we look at your rates and your policies and et cetera, and firm those up so that we can buy you some time and money pretty quickly right off the bat. Then we look at what's your specialty going to be, right? How do we dive deep and find that specialty for you? Then we look at who your niche is going to be because your specialty and niche are two different things, right? Your niche is who you do it for. So your specialty is what you do. Your niche is who you do it for. So then we take a look at your niche. Who's your niche? Who are those people? And that's where it's really important to be able to connect with people because you need to be able to understand, like, these are the values that I need my clients to have. And it's funny because I hear from trainers all the time, well, they need to want to have a good relationship with their dog, do the work and understand that it's their work to do. And I'm like, that's not a niche. That's bare minimum of any right. client that you hire. Right. right? I mean, you're not going to get results if the people don't do anything at home. Exactly. So niche, you know, are things like people who share your values. So as an example, for me, anti-racism is really important to me. So I am only looking for clients who are actively anti-racist. I'm not interested in, in working with anybody else, right? I'm looking at, you know, businesses like my, if I'm hiring a marketing firm or I'm looking for black owned because that's important to me. And so I want clients who share those values. And it's the same for dog trainers, right? You need to have clients who share those values for you, not just about the dog but about everything in general. Everybody likes their dog. Assuming that they're going to a dog trainer, the bare minimum is already there, right? They like their dog enough to invest in their dog, but that's not always enough. Well, there's that, like when we're talking about values, if your value as a trainer is, I will, how we get there is equally as important as the results. And your client's value is, I don't really care about how we get there. I just need the results. That's not a fit and you shouldn't be working together, right? Because you're never going to be able to help them. So that's kind of what I mean by values with, with trainers. So we look at your niche. Then we look at the marketing and sales piece because that is so misunderstood in the industry and in the world in general. And when I learned about marketing in the beginning, it was in a really 
pushy, patriarchal way that I really didn't like. And when I brought up my concerns about it, I got shamed for having those concerns, right? And and so I was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. Because I was taught that you basically, you get someone's phone number and then you call them until they pick up and then you tell them why they need your services. And I'm like, ha, there's a whole lot of consent-based stuff there for yes, me that exactly. I really don't like. Yes. So I, I learned a different way to do that. And so basically marketing and sales is developing relationships with people. And by the time you get on the phone with a client, they should already be about 90% of the way there. And you're just figuring out, do you want to work with them? And right. can you actually get results from them? And are the financial resources them there for them to be able to do that, right? Your sales, right. your sales calls are not about convincing someone of anything, right? But you need to know how to talk to your clients in order to develop those relationships and in order to help people understand what you do and, and how you can help them. So the marketing and sales piece, and then the adding an online component to your business piece as well, because you cannot scale any business in any industry that is reliant on your one-to-one -one time because you only have so many hours in the day. And what if you get sick? And what about when you need to take a vacation? And what about when you just don't feel like it because, oh my God, the world is fucking burning. Like yes, You yes, need to yes. still be able to give your clients support when you're not physically there in that one-to-one -one yes. piece. And so adding an online component is the only way that you can do that and still and get better results for your clients while having a business that gives you a work-life balance and pays you accordingly. So that's it. what we work on in the 12 months. That's amazing. And it's, I mainly work with, with dog trainers who already have existing businesses and, and are starting to realize this is not what I thought it would be. And, and I can see this heading down a really bad path unless I make some changes. But I do depend, you know, if they, if they fit my niche, work right. with, with people who don't have businesses and who are like, hey, I want to start this off on the right, right. foot too. Right, right, right. Well, I just want you to tell us how my audience can like reach you, get to know more about you. Uh, you are on TikTok, you're on Facebook, but tell us a uh, website, all the things that we need to know. On TikTok, you can get me on my website, dogbizcoach.com or on Facebook. That's awesome. Well, I want to propose a toast to you for joining me today, for sharing all of this knowledge, keeping it real for us. Cheers to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me as mm. I talk with a mouthful of popsicle. That's awesome. Don't even worry about it. I also want to propose a toast to our executive producer, Mark Winter. Thank you, Mark. And to our audience for joining me with all of my awesome guests, their popsicles, their cocktails, their coffee, <laughs> their hot chocolate, whatever it is that we're drinking. Thank you for being part of this show. And thank you for getting, you know, spending time with me. Here's to a life covered in pet hair because there's right? no better way to live. Cheers. Nope. And thank you for doing what you do, too, and for bringing the message to so many people and, and having the platforms for so many people to be able to, to have these conversations. Thank you. I love it. I have so much fun. I get to choose to speak to people like you because I handpick all of my guests. <laughs> I only bring people on here that I know are as passionate or more passionate about the industry as I am. And you have definitely exceeded all of my expectations. So thank you again. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> And to learn more about Covered in Pet Hair, please visit CoveredInPetHair.com or PetLifeRadio.com. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.